And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Head of the Pack is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome back to the latest edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. I'm in the press box here in Jacksonville. Bill's back in Green Bay. And, and Bill, did it look any worse, any better on TV than than it did here? I, I wrote tonight, it, it honestly looked worse than 38-3. to I, I was stunned. I was shocked that the Packers laid such an egg. They came into this season with such high expectations. And, yes, it's only one game. And, you know, the NFC North stinks, at least today. But... It's inexcusable and embarrassing how the Packers played today. Yeah, LaFleur said as much. He said ass-kicking, ass-whipping, one or the other. Um, Rodgers used the phrase, kicked in the you-know-where. Yeah, they, nobody minced any words. This was awful in every which way imaginable. I mean, Joe Barry's defense, as much as these guys talked about energy and they're going to be better, I mean, they, they got their asses kicked. The offensive line got their asses kicked. Aaron Jones is one of the highest paid running backs in football. Went nowhere. Rodgers looked like some schlub out there. There was, there's literally nothing, Matt, to hang your hat on other than the fact that last season the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost 38-3 to to the Saints. That's all I got for you. Podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> and the thing that kind of stunned me the most, more so than perhaps – well, actually, what happened on the field stunned me the most, and we'll get into some of it in a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers was straight up asked, were you guys too full of yourselves um, entering this season with all the Super Bowl hype? And he said, yeah, I think you could say that. Like, this team just had – Matt LaFleur, not, what was it, three days ago, stood at the podium and essentially bragged that he had so many guys who received captain's votes, 27, 10 guys received double-digit votes – they named seven guys captain because they supposedly have so many leaders on this team, so many guys whose example you should follow. There was not one guy on that field whose example was worth following tonight. I mean, there was no direction, and I don't see how the Packers can enter a season with uh, after a preseason in which they preached their laser focus, their potential. Everyone says, we know how important this is because it could be Aaron's last ride, and, and you know— we're going at it, and we know we can win a Super Bowl. 38-3? to Are you kidding? And we can get into That's a great point on the captains, Matt. That's a great point. It makes you wonder if they have all this leadership and stuff, if it's just not excuse-making. You know, they got their asses kicked, and you know what? It's a convenient, to use a Mike McCarthyism, it's a convenient excuse to blame it on that. I don't know. You're, that's a great point. If you got 27 leaders, allegedly, how do you get just fall on your face? I mean, they did nothing right. I mean, it's a great point, Matt. It's a fantastic point. Literally nothing right. And, you know, Rodgers through, and I wrote this today, there, there were plays here that weren't just, oh, that's a, 
you know, understandable mistake. Rodgers threw two interceptions that were entirely his fault, you know, not like tip passes. He didn't throw an interception the first five games last season. He made a poor read on the second one. He, he should have just gotten rid of the ball on the first one. They had second and seven from the nine-yard line, a chance to keep the game alive down 17-3 to on their first drive of the second half. And instead of throwing it into the flat for Aaron Jones, they were on the Saints' nine-yard line or throwing it away and just moving on to third down. He took a hit, and as he was taking the hit, just flipped it to Devontae Adams well behind him and right into the hands of a Saints defensive back. And if not for their 311-pound left tackle, that was the best play of the game. I mean, Brian Gutekunst, who was sitting right behind me in the press box, he was pumped that Elton Jenkins took him down. And as he should be, that was a great play. And on a, like that was their best play of the day. And that just goes to show you how bad this game was. Rodgers is making uncharacteristic mistakes. Kevin King got burned again, just like the NFC Championship game. King and Shannon Sullivan bumped into each other in the end zone and left Juwan Johnson, uh, the Saints' tight end, wide open for a touchdown. They left Chris Hogan wide open for a touchdown with Shannon Sullivan chasing. Chris Hogan played in a professional lacrosse game. Lacrosse. A Premier League lacrosse game three months ago. Yes, I know he's a proven NFL receiver, but come on. What are we doing here? It's It was inexcusable, and not only was it inexcusable the tangible stuff they did on the field, but the intangibles that everyone admitted for how they approached this game. I just don't know how you can, you know, excuse this performance. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, Matt, where he was, where Lafleur was asked about preseason. He didn't play their guys. Obviously, the Saints played their guys for the preseason. I thought it was interesting that Lafleur didn't just dismiss it out of hand of, of calling it your know, stupid um, second, you know, second guessing or um, Monday morning quarterback. And I th- so I thought that was interesting. I understand that preseason is irrelevant. I understand that, the, for instance, the Baltimore Ravens lost their running back to a torn ACL because he played in a preseason. I understand that the Packers' 2015 season was dead the minute Jordy Nelson tore his ACL against Pittsburgh. I understand all that. Mm-hmm. But like that Rodgers interception in the red zone, that's why you need preseason, I think. Because Rodgers doesn't get rushed like that on a practice field. It's it's the pocket presence thing, I, I thought, where, you know what, if he's taking a few hits, maybe he doesn't make that play. But it's his first time, um, or it's the first day, I should say, where he's had legitimate guys going after him. And he throws a boneheaded pass that if Jordan Love threw that ball, we'd all be questioning Jordan Love as being the logical successor to the quarterback. Maybe that's why he needs preseason, just so the quarterback can get some of the side of his system, because it's just such an uncharacteristic mistake by a three-time MVP quarterback. Yeah, and he said there's no no you know correlation in that regard, and I, I tend to believe him. They put up a 40 spot, a 43-34, I believe it was, in the season opener against Minnesota last year in Minnesota after no preseason. Um, they didn't play in the preseason two years ago, really, the starters. And, well, yeah, that, that game wasn't great on offense. It was 10-3, but the defense at least played well. So... In the 2019 season opener with no preseason, really extensive time for the starters. The defense played really well. Last season's pre-opener after no preseason, the offense played well. Today, there was nothing to hang their hat on. And, you know, yes, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world. They play the Detroit Lions next week. They should win that game. They open as 11-point favorites. But 
there's nothing, and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were both asked, is there anything you can take out of this game tonight? And they both said no. I mean, and they're right. There isn't. And I get the sense, you know, Rodgers was far more cheery than I expected him to be in his post-game press conference. And I'm not going to say that's because he doesn't care or people are saying online, oh, he came back to sabotage the Packers season. I think that's a joke. I hope it's a joke. Um, But I think he understands that, listen, the last two seasons they've started off really hot and it's come fluttering down in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game. Maybe they just need a different formula. Maybe getting their tookus has handed to them in the season opener for the early season wake-up call instead of a mid-season or an NFC title game wake-up call is what they need. I kid, but um, yeah, there's really nothing to take away. The Packers averaged 2.9 yards per rush, couldn't get anyone going. I thought it was interesting, and I want your thoughts on this. Um, Rodgers mentioned how the the Saints essentially played a a two-shell, so two high safeties designed to make the Packers beat them via the run and via short passes which is basically the Brandon Staley Vic Fangio defense that Joe Barry is supposed to bring to New Orleans. The Packers have been facing it all camp and had no idea what to do against it today. They averaged 2.9 yards per rush on 15 rushes. Um, two of seven drives that Rodgers was in at quarterback lasted six plays or fewer. They did. They, there was no chunk plays. There was no working their way down the field like the Saints did on consecutive 15-play touchdown drives. Um, at least from a schematic standpoint, Dennis Allen totally, totally outclassed the Packers, Matt LaFleur, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this isn't the first time we've seen the Packers lose against this kind of defense. And you've got to run the ball. As you mentioned, you've got to run the ball to, to beat this defense. And what gets you is they didn't try. It's like LaFleur. And this isn't the first time we've seen Lafleur do this. It's they fall behind a bit early, and he just like scraps the game plan. You know, it was you know it wasn't seventeen nothing at the end of the first quarter. It was three nothing at the end of the first quarter, and it's ten nothing early in the second. But you've got all the time in the world, even at ten nothing, even at seventeen nothing, you got the ball coming out coming out of halftime. It's like I don't want to say Lafleur panicked, but um. He just got away from the game. If, if if the game plan was to run the ball to to take advantage of what the Saints are giving him, he just totally got away from it. You let that's that possession where AJ Dillon comes out and he has the back to back six yard runs, and it looks like they're going to get going first and ten. They go play action, which is fine because they've run a lot of play action in the past and it's worked well. Rodgers takes a sack at second and twenty one, and the you know the, the drive's over. Um, it's hard to run the ball when you don't. Aaron Jones, what what do you have? Five carries for nine yards, I and mean, that's. That's not going to work. Five carries for nine yards. Kylan Hill, five for 14. A.J. Dillon, four for 19. But uh, you make a good point. How many times have we heard Matt LaFleur after games say, oh, I should have stuck with the run? Enough with saying you should do it. Do it. Like, I understand you're behind and you make up deficits um, by throwing the ball with a quarterback who uh, can throw the ball, or at least, you know, in the past he's been able to. Not today, at least. I'm not saying in the. You know, I'm not saying you can't throw the ball anymore. But you know, they were down 17-3. The game's not over. You have right. you, you have the highest scoring offense in the league from last year. Pretty much all back. And what, why you would stray from the game plan? And Rogers admitted today. You know, maybe he was forcing it a little bit much because he was standing on the sideline for so long. That's inexcusable. You're a 17th-year quarterback. 
You're a third-year head coach who's guided, who just guided the best offense in the league last year. What do you mean you're forcing it? The, the, these are silly, not excuses, but rationale for why they did what they did. They weren't, Matt LaFleur said the Saints were hungrier. You know, the Packers were too full of themselves. They didn't know the Saints were going to do this defense and they couldn't adjust well enough. They abandoned the run. They forced it because they were on the bench for too long and got greedy. Like, that's Bishop Sycamore type stuff. That's not Green Bay <laughs> Packers type stuff. What are they doing? I don't know, Matt. Um, they're lucky it's a 17-game season and you've got time to, obviously you got all sorts of time to get back into this thing. Like I said, Tampa lost to the Saints by 35 last year too. But what, what gets you, Matt, is the importance of this game. I mean, the, the Saints and Packers probably are two of the best teams in the NFC. There might be a playoff rematch. And you got these guys in a quasi-home game without Michael Thomas. I mean, I hate to look so far down the road you're talking about tiebreakers, but this can this game can come back and bite you in the ass. All because what? You, you thought you were going to steamroll these guys because you had all your guys back? And, man, I don't know. It is... I mean, I still come back to what you said before, man. If you got 27 leaders, how come none of them led? That's a great point. Brutal. And Aaron Rodgers said, you know, maybe we thought we were just going to march down the field on whoever they had. You know, Ken Crawley was out. Traquan Smith was out. Marshawn Lattimore was questionable. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is in his 17th year in the league. To hear him say the Packers maybe thought they were just going to come in and march down the field on, on whoever the Saints had... Maybe he's thought that at different times in his career, but to hear him say it is a little alarming. You know, that, that the Packers are so full of themselves. Like, I asked Aaron Jones tonight, you guys have a team of proven veterans who know this can happen at any time. How do you come into a game just, th like, assuming you're going to win? And, and Aaron Jones used the word complacency. I just don't get it. Uh, I know I'm harping on the same point over and over. I just don't get how that's possible. Yeah, Here's something, Matt. So, in, including playoffs, Lafleur's lost nine games. He's twenty-eight nine. That's pretty damn good. Five of their losses are by fifteen or more points, including three by twenty-eight or more. We've talked about this before. How these guys are front runners. It's like they just did they just roll over and quit again after after the seventeen not not at seventeen to three. I mean they didn't quit at halftime, but when they throw the interception, they, I don't know. When these guys lose, they they, they just get trounced. It's like, where's the backbone in these guys? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that would be troublesome. In 2019, it was the Chargers game, the 49ers game. The other regular season game they lost was a seven-point game against the Eagles, and then obviously the NFC title game. In 2020, it was the Buccaneers. Um, the Vikings loss was a close game. And who was the other team they lost to last regular season? Oh, I had up on Pro Football Reference a while ago, and I have closed that window, but it's five out of nine. Um, We're going to get this. I'm not going anywhere until I get we this. We will get it up. This is great podcasting the old right NFL here. GSIS site. Yeah, tw in 2020, they lost by 28 to Tampa. Then the other games were close. And the Colts. The Colts. That, that was that was an this overtime is, this is game. This riveting podcasting here, folks. No, so there are three oh, they lost losses. By 15, yeah, 15 the Chargers, and they lost by 29 to San Francisco in the regular season. Then 
whatever the hell the NFC Championship game was where they got rolled Right, and then they had the loss to the Buccaneers last season, but then the other two losses were against the Colts and Vikings, and those were close losses. But yes, if they get down big in a game like early, yeah, they showed some signs of life before Rodgers' interception today, but it is uh, a little disheartening if you're a Packer fan to see another one of these happen. Now, Matt LaFleur has not lost consecutive regular season games. I don't expect it to happen since they have the Lions on Monday night, home opener. Should be a full Lambeau field, but, you know, who knows? And I think I'm going to have to push my Elton Jenkins profile to next week because it's not fitting to run this week. I deserve to give you guys the answers you need to know after this game. Um, Let's get to questions since we have a bunch, and I'm probably going to get kicked out of the press box here in Jacksonville soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. Okay. I got, hey, ni- I got there 90. Was fire there or something, Matt, by the way? Yeah, it smelled like it. I think it was from the floor above us. There was something was burning. It wasn't like cigarette smoke or weed. It was like actual smoke smoke. We couldn't see it, but we could smell it coming through the vents above us, but it, it went away. I started to pack up my stuff to leave, but we're good. Um, let's do a couple questions. We have, I got 91 replies to my tweet. Uh, we'll just go in order. We don't want to keep you all night, so we'll answer a handful. Here we go. From Django, how long before Kevin King is finally gone are we going to get 2018 Rodgers all season? I'll answer the first one. You answer the second one because you were here for 2018 Rodgers. I don't see how you can play Kevin King for much longer. I'm not saying Eric Stokes has shown you anything to, to spur this decision, but you got to at least try something. I mean, when I saw that ball floating from midfield out of Jameis Winston's hand and Kevin King looking up at that ball, you knew what was going to happen. Deontay Harris, who's you know probably the best kick-punt returner in the league, blew by Kevin King just like Scotty Miller did. You can't have a guy who's a liability out there. Stokes is at least faster. Stokes could at least catch up to that. Maybe his ball skills aren't great yet or, or top-notch, but at least have a guy who's in the vicinity to make a play. 
I don't think the Packers are going to make a change, but it has to at least be on their mind. Yeah. You know, Kevin King's here for a one-year contract. You're not married to the guy. Um, you signed him before you drafted Stokes in the first round. I would think it's a matter of time. As for Rodgers, no, Rodgers will bounce back. This is not 2018 Rodgers where he completes 62% of his passes. That will not be Rodgers. He's too good. And I re- and you might, you mentioned earlier about people wondering if he's trying to sabotage a season. No. The guy wants to win. Yeah. He'll be better. Stop that. Stop that talk. Um, Chris Martiska, is the result today going to accelerate Bakhtiari's return timeline? That is a big, fat no. Um, it's a fair question, Chris, but you know they're not going to let one game risk the long-term health of arguably the best offensive lineman when healthy in the NFL. Like I've said, I, I think he'll be back for week nine. Um, I don't think he'll play on the short week against Washington or the following short week against – well, I shouldn't say the short week against Washington. I don't think he'll play – on three practices against Washington in week seven or the short week at Arizona in week eight, uh, the Thursday night game. So my guess is he's back week nine um, at Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't accelerate the timeline. The rules are the rules. And you're right, Matt. It's that Thursday game that bites you where I mean, he's not going to come back on one on a one day of practice week. Not a chance. So, yeah, week nine is the logical timetable. They, they might wish and hope what, what they want, but the schedule is the schedule. The schedule is the schedule. Correct. From Brian Sharp. That's some last name. Sorry, that was mean. Uh, How much do you think we'll see Jordan Love this season? Well, if they play like today, we'll see him quite a bit. (laughs) Uh, He came in with 10 minutes, 46 seconds left in the game. Uh, Randall Cobb's first catch back with the Packers was a 32-yard completion from Jordan Love. I'm sure he didn't see that coming. Um, Well, we won't feed the trolls and get into that whole Randall Cobb discussion right now. We can touch on that later, but um, if they keep getting their, their tails handed to him like this, we might see a lot of Jordan love. I thought he had a couple nice throws. Obviously the fumble uh, that was recovered on the saints two yard line. Wasn't great, but he looked all right in there. Yeah. It's nice for him to get some in-game snaps, but I mean, the Packers aren't, Probably, maybe they use that as an evaluation for later, but that's not really um, something you hope to see. The Packers don't want to see Jordan Love in a game, unless it's obviously 38-3 to the other way. But uh, I don't expect them to lose like this badly in other games. You know, maybe they do one more time. If it happens two more times, there's a serious problem, but... I, I don't think the expectation should be to see Jordan Love in these scenarios. No, I think it was good for him to get his feet wet and get that first stuff out. You know, the first snap, the first completion. Good to get it out of the way. Otherwise, yeah, not relevant to anything whatsoever. Good question here from Connor Patrick. Are you guys getting a weird vibe from the players? I know no locker room access, but this team just feels a bit weird. Rogers situation, Adams, Z, etc. Just seems a few ticks off. Interesting question. I would say no. Um, I just found it really interesting that they, they seem to really embrace this last dancing. Nobody's running from it. Nobody's running from the expectations. I thought that was interesting. I don't sense a word vibe. Maybe I'm wrong. How about you, Matt? I don't. Um, and even if we were in the locker room, I'm not sure we'd have a better gauge on it because we don't see the conversations that go on behind closed doors. I will say um, I agree with you in that everyone we've talked to 
seems to be embracing this as, you know, we understand what happened. I'm paraphrasing here, but we understand what happened this summer. We understand this could be the last go around with everyone. We're all bought in. We're going to win now. Forget whatever happens after this season. And that starts with number 12, 17. Um, when 69 comes back, 33. Right now, um, I'm inclined to say this was just an anomaly. But if this continues and there seem to be more of the issues of loss of focus and this and that, then it might become a concern. But yeah, there are unknowns and there's stuff behind the scenes that could cause drama, like Zadarius Smith tweeting, wow, after he wasn't voted a captain, um, or Devontae Adams' contract extension, or Rogers' future. But these guys are professionals. They know how to compartmentalize. They have to do it every week. And I see no reason why they shouldn't be able to this year. Absolutely right. Next question. We got a whole bunch of Joe Barry questions. I'm oh. going to start with this one. Let's Actually, do it. I'm not going to start. This will be the, the one all encompassing Joe Barry question, Matt. Is it too, stu- too soon to start discussing that Barry might have been the wrong guy? Yeah, I think it's too soon. Um, listen, there, yeah, the run defense got better as the game went on, but guys are being left wide open. Adrian Amos said, you know, the communication could have been better. How many times did we hear communications on the right page during training camp? You know, their gap integrity wasn't great. I didn't see too many missed tackles, but the coverage wasn't good. They got only 10 pressures on Jameis Winston with zero sacks, zero takeaways. It's just not good enough. And all we heard throughout training camp was, oh, we love Joe Barry because of his energy. Guess what? Energy doesn't matter for two shits if they can't play on the field. And I couldn't help but think, and I can't say this to, you know, Rob Domovsky next to me in the press box because Brian Gutekunst is sitting right behind me. I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. And Andy Her- actually, I want to give a shout out to Andy Herman, um, Packers, CEO of Packer Report, who had a great line. It's like the Packers thought, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I saw his tweet, I, I loved it. He said the Packers thought they could change their defensive success by changing the chef in the kitchen without changing any of the ingredients. They are trotting out the same exact guys with the exception of Devondre Campbell. Why do they think their run defense is going to be any better if the only guy they've added the last two years is TJ Slayton? Why do they think you know their pass defense and their tackle tackling ability is going to be any better when they're trotting out the same exact guys? I mean, I understand you rely on those year-to-year improvements, but at some point, you can't just keep trotting out the same guys and expect better results. So... I think it's obviously not entirely on Barry, but you couldn't have asked for a worse start for him for his tenure as defensive coordinator. Only as good as your players, Matt. You're only as good as your players. And that defensive line, it's just been a sore spot year after year and year. And to get to your point about trotting out the same guys, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, you're talking about the same guys. They haven't been good enough against the run for years. Why would you expect them to be different? Zadarius Smith is not a good run player. The Packers can't win if they don't get off to a fast start and force the other team to throw the ball. If the other team gets off to the fast start and they can run the football, the Packers are screwed. Yep. So, yeah, Andy's right. You're right. It's You can't play better run defense if you don't have better run defenders. Joe Barry can't control that. Here we have a question from Chris in Maryville. WTF? Question mark. That was it. That was the whole question. Next question. Well said. <laughs> Next, that, that's fair. I don't have an answer for that. Next question. Um from Joe at ND Cheesehead 2. Was this loss a good thing for the year overall? 
I'm not a huge believer. You know, Rogers said, you know, maybe this will wake the guys up. Maybe this is the kick in the rear we needed. It's the first game of the season. You don't need a kick in the rear to start the season. You've had all offseason to work toward this. Maybe you need a kick in the rear if you've lost a couple games in a row or a slogging by like the Packers have in years past. You know, two years ago, they had those ugly wins, quote-unquote. Then they got their doors blown off in Santa Clara. And maybe that was the the kick in the rear they needed. Then they went on and finished the regular season on a six-game winning streak. Same thing last year. Their, their loss to, um, to Indianapolis, then they finished the year on a six-game winning streak. Kick in the rear can come in the middle of the season. Rodgers said after they lost to Tampa in the regular season last year, we had a bad week of practice. Guys just weren't focused. This is the kick in the rear we needed. But what is it now? All they've talked about is how well they've been practicing, how in sync they are. As in years past, Rodgers kind of implied he could see these kinds of games coming. Is it concerning that this one, everyone was kind of caught off guard by? The execution was just that terrible? I think that's a little concerning. Yeah, you can't come off flat in week one. You can't. I mean, how can you look past the Saints, Matt? I don't care how damn good your offense was last year. I don't care how damn good you feel about your defensive coordinator. It's the New Orleans Saints, for God's sakes. I realize Drew Brees isn't the quarterback, but their roster was pretty damn good the last I checked. And if you're looking past them, that's a that's a bad, bad look by your leaders. And your head exactly. coach. Exactly. That's why I asked Aaron Jones that exact question. And it's unfortunate for Packer fans to hear him use the word complacency. I don't know how that's possible. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Next question. What do you got? Um, I thought the defense... Oh, this is from Eric. The real Eric with K, Eric with a K. I thought the defense is going to be more aggressive or creative, question mark. It seemed like there that was not the case. I would love to see how many times they brought more than four rushers. I'm not sure about the number on that, but it's hard to be aggressive um, when the other teams run the ball pretty well. And it's really hard to be aggressive when you're losing. It's easy to be aggressive when you're winning and it's third and 10 all the time. And they didn't have many third and 10s. And when they got some rush on Winston, they just lost control, lost contain on him. So yeah, I'm not sure how much you can point on, on that part of it. I thought Jameis Winston was really good in the pocket today. Obviously, he poses mm-hmm. much more of a scrambling threat than Drew Brees ever did. Um, Adrian Amos said, you know, most of their third downs were third and short. So the Packers couldn't really just unleash their pass rushers. And, right. you know, when they did on that fourth and seven, um, they just dumped it off on a tight end screen. I think it was Zedarius. It was either Zedarius Smith or Rashawn Gary who came with his hands up in Winston's face. Whoa, my sorry for that pause. My headphones just my headphone. <laughs> I knocked my headphones out because I'm doing my hand motions. But on that fourth and seven, a simple tight end screen. Jair Alexander got blocked out of the play. Um, the edge rusher couldn't get to Winston in time, and there were a lot of those where it felt like the edge rusher was right there. But Winston's pocket presence was great today. And as we've seen in years past, those short dump-offs uh, turn into big gains. And 
you know, when the Saints had that third and 13, they ran Alvin Kamara for six yards. And when a team is running on third and 13, they know they can get at least six yards on you, and they know they're going for it on fourth and medium, fourth and long. That's an indictment on Joe Barry's defense that another team, I don't care who it is, has that much confidence that they can just beat you in, 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 in really important situations like that. So, yeah, Adrian Amos said that they didn't get them in enough third and long situations. Their pass rushers weren't good when they did have the opportunity to rush the quarterback. Um, just uh, I was not inspired by anything I saw from that defense today. And, and a couple al- questions about the roughing. And also, let me just say one more thing. Fourth and three from the three-yard line, and Dean Lowry jumps off sides. That, that's just a mental mistake. Forget the Zedaria Smith roughing the passer. That was a bad call. But, like, these mental mistakes. Dean Lowry is supposed to be a veteran on that defensive line. Jumping off sides to give the, the Saints a, a goal to go from the one? I mean, that just can't happen. A lot of mistakes. What do you think about the roughing the passer? I got a couple of questions about that. I thought it was a guard. I mean, look, first of all, it's irrelevant to the game. The Packers have got the, the game was long since over. It makes no difference. But that was a horrible call, and it's such a bad look on where the NFL is gone. Um, you can't hit anybody anymore. Zadarius Smith was guilty of hitting Jameis Winston hard. That was the guilty. You're right. And I'm going to read a tweet from Terry McCauley, former NFL ref, who now I believe is the uh, officiating uh, rules expert for Sunday Night Football and NBC. He said, I don't see any aspect of this play that would make it a foul. It's not late. There is no forcible contact to the head or neck area, and he doesn't land at all on the QB with any body weight. There you go. Bad call. End of story. Yeah, it was funny. I shouldn't say funny, but it was. you watch the replay of that. Zadarius said everything possible not to squash Winston. He hit him, but then he got off him. And first of all, how these guys were able to do that is amazing. These guys are going full speed, and for Smith to have the wherewithal to to hit him, but then not fall on top of him, not wrap him up, not drive him into the turf. Just kind of, it's it's amazing how good these athletes are that they can control their body to that regard. But yep, yeah, he did everything perfectly, and he still gets flagged. All not right, relevant to the game though, Matt. No, not at all. Well, it did negate an interception in the end zone. And, the, you know, that was returned quite a bit. And the Saints then went on and scored a touchdown. I'm not saying the Packers would have come back, but uh, it did negate the one turnover they would have had. Let's yeah, go I wonder, one. I wonder, I wonder if that go ahead. Savage any possible incentive money. It's possible. <laughs> so maybe, maybe he's pissed about that. <laughs> Who knows? Let's get two more questions in. What do we got? You got any good ones? Um, yeah, I, I have to find it. Cecilia was asking about comparing this game, Cecilia Bugface, friend of the show, <laughs> of the was show. asking about comparing this to the Yankees of September. Oh my God. I don't want to talk about the Yankees right now. That's just mean. Cecilia, I, I thought you were better than that. Actually, I didn't. I thought that was a great question, but oh, I'm sorry. Come on. All right. Here's one, one question from Seth at the Tubs 99 he tweeted a picture of Rodgers kind of smirking on the sideline, down 38-3 in the fourth quarter, with the question, why won't we trade Aaron? He clearly has no intentions on being here. He 110% threw this game on purpose, no doubt in my mind. Uh, stop. He didn't throw the game. He has an intention on being here this year. He's bought in. Whatever after next year, 
He's a world-class athlete. He can buy into this season and stay compartmentalized. Why you don't trade him is because when he's good, he's still arguably the best quarterback on planet Earth. I'm sorry, but that next question. Yeah, that's just preposterous, Matt. Um, the guy wants to win a Super Bowl, and they can trade him next year to some God-forbidden hellhole, and he'll have no chance to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Of course he wants to win. He's not throwing games. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Last question. Let's get a good one. God, I'm looking at Matt. Everybody wants to know about is Joe Barry. I have so many questions saying, hey, Matt, what the fuck? Well, I don't really have an answer to that. There are a lot of questions about Aaron Rodgers that aren't great questions. Here we go. Go ahead. Last Max one. Max Power. It's only one game, but what a game. It's very hard to think of one question. But bigger problem, offensive line or receivers not getting open. Yeah. Uh, Post game, people actually said they thought the offensive line played well. Yeah, Matt, Matt LaFleur did. Aaron Rodgers did. He said he thought Josh Myers and Royce Newman did well. If I'm not mistaken, the only sack Aaron Rodgers took was when he rolled out and Marcus Davenport didn't fall for the fake handoff. Correct. And it was kind of Rodgers' fault. And Rodgers admitted that it was his fault. So I would be more concerned about the wide receivers. And yes, that has... Uh, you can credit that to the defense the Saints played. Kind of, you know, Rodgers mentioned how they kind of kept their front four, front six as is. So guys on the back end weren't scrambling to step up into the second and first level with guys blitzing. And they were able to kind of stay back and keep everything in front of them. Um, but yeah, it is concerning. I, I would say the wide receivers not getting open is far more concerning. And Randall Cobb couldn't even get on the field. Yeah, I'd agree with that answer, Matt. And it's striking. How many times did Rodgers credit these receivers during training camp? A bunch. Like every week. Every week. About how special this group was. And, this, you know, Devontae is Devontae. And Marquez is really, really matured as a person. He's reading books that I got him from Barnes & Noble, even though he poo-poos that. Alan Lazard is this role player. And <laughs> was, that a, was that a swipe at MVS? Maybe it was. Um <laughs> Yeah, week after week, just how special this group was. And yeah, come come game time, there's just no one there. So that, that's no a, and honestly, that surprised me. Yep, that's what it was. They were absolutely embarrassed. My story's about to go up. Bill already has 19 stories up on SI. Um, we appreciate you guys, as always, for sending in questions. You guys are great, although uh, a bunch of them were profanity-laced. Luckily, we can read those on the show. Um, but it's back to work for the Packers this week. Monday night game against the Lions at Lambeau. I'm sure the place will be packed. We'll be coming to you next Monday night, so episode out Tuesday morning. Until then, for Bill, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>